You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 158, by Rudolf Steiner, entitled Our Connection with the Elemental World, Kalevala, Olaf Astesen, The Russian People, The World as the Result of Balancing Influences, Various Lectures and Addresses, translated by Simon Blacksland DeLang. This is Part 12, An Address for Russians, attending the lecture cycle The Occult Foundations of the Bhagavad Gita, Helsinki, 5th of June, 1913. When we were gathered here last year, those who were present together with our Russian friends carried in their hearts as an unfolding bud, as it were, the awareness of something that has been developing over the course of the past year and should live ever more strongly in your hearts, namely that theosophy, or as we also call it, anthroposophy, is not something that people should imbibe as another form of knowledge or belief system, but that it should, in a certain sense, take hold of the whole soul of each individual, and indeed the soul of the whole of humanity in our time. This awareness needs gradually to develop, and we should not think, or, what is more to the point, delude ourselves, that it will be easy to arrive at its full significance and potential. Only very gradually and slowly will we manage to achieve a real experience of the significance of the theosophical impulse. Such a truth may seem to be a matter of stating the obvious, but this is an instance where something that may appear quite trivial must be regarded with the utmost seriousness. Let us consider one particular aspect of the wealth of insights that arise from this way of looking at things. Thus it is, for example, nearly two thousand years since the Christ impulse came down from higher worlds to earthly life, and it is a fact that the Gospels are one of the most widely distributed texts in the world, and moreover, that for many, many centuries millions of human souls have believed that they have a right relationship to Christ. And yet it is equally true that anyone who is truly honest and is not immodestly ascribing to himself an understanding that he does not really possess, has to struggle in our time with the question, what in actual terms is the Christ impulse? All that such a person may hope for is to gain an understanding of the Christ impulse through new revelations from the spiritual world. To give a specific instance of this problem, I can relate that Last year, together with some friends, I attended an Easter service of the Russian Orthodox Church. Immediately afterward, I tried to give expression to what I had experienced by putting it into words, so as to give you food for thought. What flowed forth from the service was a consciousness of the dead Christ, whereas the message that needs to flow to humanity for its salvation, both in our time and the future, is the eternally living Christ. And yet, when I thought about what lay at the background to that service, a different picture arose in my mind 
of what the individuals who did not measure up to the demands of this service were actually engaged in there. Thus I saw in the background of the service a tableau of ancient holy mysteries which have evolved into what lives outwardly in the forms of this religious service. And although many people feel this in their hearts, the very people who ought to be or consider themselves to be the best qualified interpreters of these mysteries for our present time have the least understanding of them. Try to ponder the thought that such examples engender ever more deeply, that theosophy proceeds from each individual heart, and that through theosophy or anthroposophy something completely new needs to flow into human evolution. Try to engrave into your hearts the truth that the signs of the time are such that, at any rate, in the quiet intimacy of our own hearts, we can never make any kind of compromise with what is around us. A new plant cannot simply arise out of an existing one, but can emerge only if the old plant dies, making it possible for a new plant to be formed out of one single point, namely the seed. Thus theosophy is, my dear friends, something that must develop in our hearts and souls as a completely new seed. And out of everything of which the old plant of humanity consists, it must retain only that which is universal, which we behold when we contemplate the mystery of Golgotha. The leaves and trunk of the ancient culture of humanity will have to fall. The blossom, the mystery of Golgotha, will have to remain as a memory of the seed which is to be developed through theosophy. In this seed, my dear friends, will need to be the bearer of the consciousness of bringing this blossom to its full maturity in ever-renewed ways. The Christ impulse will then live in many forms over the course of human evolution, and yet ever be the same, just as every new flower bears within itself the power and beauty of the old flower. But at the same time it will be what it seeks to be in its innermost essence, something that arises in ever-renewed ways, an ever-renewed understanding of what was given as a new beginning of human evolution, when the blood flowed from the wounds of him who took on human form in order to experience death amongst mankind. My dear friends, all the worlds that we can traverse from our physical world through the higher worlds always have something in common. It is true that when we enter a higher world we constantly find new things, but nevertheless there is always a feature that is shared with the one before it. When we come to know the higher worlds, there is one thing that can exist only as a physical phenomenon which is not to be found there. The gods of the higher worlds can experience many things, but the one experience that they cannot have is that of death for death does not exist in the supersensible worlds. The beings in the supersensible worlds undergo transformation. They pass from one form into another. But one cannot die in the supersensible world. The physical phenomenon of death can only exist as a physical phenomenon. And among all the gods and spirits, the only one who, in order to share the destiny of mankind, has descended into the world of human beings has been the Christ, 
who united himself with mankind not only through his life but through his death, from whence new life forces have streamed forth. Contemplation of the death on Golgotha must become the germinal point for ever new life forces, for what a God has willed to accomplish for humanity by means of an ultimate sacrifice is concentrated at one single point of human evolution in this death. If you try to ponder this thought and let it become a living meditation, you will see that it can become the source of the strongest life forces for every human soul. Thus there is no more sublime picture than the cross erected on Golgotha. My dear friends, an infinite amount is connected with an imagination such as that of the cross on Golgotha for the whole of mankind. This symbol, which was at the same time an actual reality, has been in existence for well nigh two thousand years, and we must increasingly learn to understand it over the future course of human evolution. These are simple primitive thoughts, but their purpose is not to lead us into metaphysical speculations, but to engender feelings that can make us capable of approaching human evolution as a whole in the right way. You are aware, my dear friends, that human evolution is differentiated into distinct elements which take the form of individual nations and peoples. Each people has a quite particular basic character which arises from the fact that it has as its leader one of those spirits whom we collectively designate as the hierarchy of the archangels. These archangels are the highest representatives of the various peoples. A spiritual outlook on the world must enable the human soul to establish in future an ever closer connection as an individual soul with a ruling folk soul from the rank of the archangels. And only if we come to understand what this folk soul is willing on our behalf, parenthesis, if this folk soul has an intention that it wants to develop for the future, close parenthesis, are we able to collaborate with it in an appropriate way in the spiritual evolution of mankind. In this respect, we need to make a firm distinction between the Western European folk souls and the East European Russian folk soul. I am not now speaking of the outward aspect of Russian culture, of what exists as Russian national culture on the outward physical plane. I am speaking of your folk soul, who is indeed present in the spiritual world, awaiting its future task, full of expectation, hope, and confidence. If one compares this folk soul with Western European folk souls, one has the impression of a youthful, aspirational being on the one hand, and old, sterile beings on the other. Central European culture has a mediating function between Western and Eastern Europe which is fundamentally misunderstood if one equates it with the other cultures. This culture of Central Europe has the quite distinctive task of acting as a herald of past ages for later times. Just think, my dear friends, how the whole European culture of the Western world came into being. The advanced posts of the Oriental peoples had extended to ancient India and had developed a great all-pervasive culture there, as we encounter it in the ancient Indian culture from the time of the Bhagavad Gita. 
these peoples had migrated to southern Asia. Whereas wise teachers, such as the Rishis and Zarathustra, taught amongst them, the peoples who resided in the wide expanses of the European countries, and also in your country, were, through the wisdom of world evolution, left behind in primitive conditions. In Asia there was a blossoming of far-reaching thoughts in the Sankhya and Vedanta philosophies. While these European peoples had simple primitive cultures, why? Because any advance in cultural development is predicated on everything that arises subsequently as a new impulse being first received by people in a primitive state of development. The peoples of the East, who had risen to a certain height of intellectual development, could never understand the Christ impulse, for example. It was beyond the bounds of possibility for them to understand it. The peoples of Western culture had not yet come to the point of embracing the spiritual domain in an intellectual way. That which lives as a power radiating from the heart to the head had not in them extended to the head. In India everything was a culture of the head. Whereas among the European peoples everything was still concentrated in the heart in primitive feelings of primordial strength. It was only possible for such peoples gradually to assimilate the mystery of Golgotha into their feelings because they had not gone beyond the soul qualities of the heart. Thus, because European culture had a fresh primal energy through having remained behind and fresh primal energies are most closely related to divine forces, it was the culture that was ready to receive the Christ impulse. So in the Western world, two streams flowed together, which for anyone who has any feeling for such matters are sharply to be distinguished from one another. There is a marked difference, for example, between the underlying tone of Fichte, the central European philosopher, and the underlying tone of Spinoza, who was also a European philosopher. It can happen in human evolution that what belongs to the general culture of the time can be borne by the same individuality. For as some of our friends may know, the individuality of Spinoza reappears in Fichte. But as an individual personality of the 18th and 19th centuries, Fichte was imbued with the whole power of the Christ impulse, while Spinoza, who was the same individuality, stands in the other stream and has no connection with this impulse. There is, however, much that needs to enter European culture which is not yet present, and there must be an interaction between what has, in a certain sense, become old and what is youthful and full of hopeful anticipation. The Russian folk soul, this being from the rank of the archangels, is young and full of hope. Its task lies before it. It will be the task of Russian theosophists to find the bridge from the individual soul to the folk soul, to learn to understand what the folk soul is wanting of them. You will find, my dear friends, that it will, given certain preconditions, be easy for you to bring the Christ impulse to life within your hearts, because of what lives within your souls. But on the other hand, you will also have to face the experience that because you have a certain inner proclivity for enlivening the Christ impulse, you will be exposed to great difficulties. You will have to experience to a high degree the profound truth 
that you will have to draw upon your inner resources and bring theosophy to life within your own hearts. For since theosophy is a message for our time, it will not make any compromises with other world conceptions. It therefore addresses other outlooks in a clear-cut way, in stern words which have been heard before in the course of evolution. Those who want to find theosophy amidst cultures that have hitherto had an outward materialistic character, and that is true of all cultures of the present, or at any rate virtually so, and seek to make a compromise with them, will hear resounding in all sternness the words of Christ Jesus, quote, Let the dead bury their dead, follow me. Close quote. What is meant by the dead here are the various cultures inclining toward materialism. They are well able to run themselves into the grave. Let the dead bury their dead. But human souls should be guided by their understanding of the spiritual impulse that pervades the world in the form of the Christ impulse. So, if you direct your inquiries toward old traditions and practices, you will, my dear friends, not find anything that leads you to theosophy. It is good to explore these old traditions in order to show how the divine world lives in them. But a person comes to theosophy today because his soul is not old and senile but is like yours, fresh and direct, encountering theosophy in the way that you do, uninfluenced by any traditions. The theosophical impulse requires from your souls not only cognitive power but living energy. My dear friends, many of you, perhaps most or even all of you, feel within yourselves, even though you may express it differently, the grief and sorrow of being temporarily separated from your folk soul. Many of you feel, even if your beliefs are otherwise, and again this may apply to most or perhaps all of you, that you need a new stimulus for your will and energies. Begin, or indeed resolve, to see, my dear friends, that what you experience so deeply is the sorrow of will and motivating forces that often seem so inadequate is the virginal quality of your will. Make a resolve to view this as a will that has remained untapped and which is waiting to be stirred into action by the theosophical impulse. Let the theosophical impulse become a force of will within you. Try to transform sorrow into strength, your weakness of will into a theosophy that is a living power within you, and you will really be able to embark upon a theosophical life. Try to find a way of reinvigorating what is still weak in you and is not fully present. You will then become the best representatives of theosophy. And bear in mind that the souls which are now dwelling in your bodies are not destined only to reincarnate in Eastern Europe. They are destined to be spread throughout the earth in their next incarnations. And as you prepare for your new incarnation, in the course of your life, between life and death and a new birth, some words will be addressed to you. To some of you it will be said, quote, You have fulfilled your task. You can take what you have received on earth which could have been received only on Eastern European soil, into the world, close quote. To the others it will be said, quote, you cannot, close quote. My dear friends, regard what you now feel for theosophy as an instinct for what I have just been saying, as a vague feeling that you have for what constitutes your task. If you think of it in such a way that it can give you strength that 
flows from your ego into your thinking, feeling and will, from there into your life and from there into your blood, you will be interpreting this instinct out of which you are now hastening toward theosophy in the right way. You are now assembled together here. Despite the great difficulties that exist in your country, you have managed to come together without impediment. Make use of this opportunity to foster a strong inner concord so that each and every one of you can form a bridge to the folk soul. It cannot be my task, my dear friends, to speak in detail about which services should be rendered to this folk soul, but I can speak to you about something else, and I should like that you transform into a feeling what I am obliged to express in words. You are in a particular situation, my dear friends. You are in a certain sense in an opposite situation to a people who are dominating the earth for a brief period of increasing splendor. I am referring to the North American people. Consider, my dear friends, that these North American people, who are your opposites, began gradually to advance westward at the time when the age of materialism had begun in Europe, and they developed it further. You need to bear in mind that the roots of Americanism lie in materialism and that the people who colonized America undertook this armed with the ideas of civilized Europe several centuries ago. What did these people do? They did what uneducated people otherwise do when they clear ancient forests, prepare the land area by area, and bring the soil into cultivation, but with the materialistic ideas of modern science and modern social organization. Everything arose out of materialism. Let us consider one of their most important writers, a man whom, moreover, the Americans have chosen as their leader, Woodrow Wilson. Wilson is certainly a significant writer who has made some brilliant studies of social affairs. But if we really look at his concepts and ideas and everything that he stands for as the representative of the American people, what do we find? A house of cards. If a single breath from the spiritual worlds were to blow upon this house of cards, it would collapse, and the whole culture that it typifies would fall with it. Every detail that has gone into the making of American culture can be found in ordinary history books, in the culture of the preceding centuries. Everything is openly there to see, and everything that we find is man-made. If you ask yourselves where your national character, your spiritual life comes from, and what is the source of the best qualities that you cherish in your souls, you will not find it on the earth. It cannot be found in this way, for it originates in the spiritual world itself. This is no house of cards, but a living organism. We should never regard such things as a justification for arrogance, but rather as a reason for humility and modesty. For we should not be deriving from this a brazen self-consciousness, but a true sense of responsibility. My dear friends, I was speaking yesterday about freedom. A lot of water will have to flow under the bridges of Europe before a certain number of people fully understand what is meant by a freedom of this nature. What is freedom? Looking at this from the point of view of the extreme West, what is freedom? To an American. It is what makes his life as comfortable as possible. He refers to freedom as that which needs to be incorporated into the social order 
so that every individual has the best chance to get on in the world. Our idea of freedom, says Woodrow Wilson, is different from that of Europeans, because we think of it in practical terms. This is what an American himself says about it. A knife is used to cut with and a fork to eat with because that is the practical thing to do. Americans espouse freedom because of its practical advantages, because it offers the best way of achieving what is agreeable to them. For Americans, freedom is a utility product. It brings them benefits. My dear friends, for Western Europeans, freedom has been something very different. It has been a high ideal, something that they have looked up to. It is worthy of being spoken of in poetic terms. For a European it is a high and glorious goddess. For an American it is a useful cow which provides him with milk and butter. I am not advancing this view myself. It is put forward by the man who will be responsible for leading the United States of America. It is not my task to express an opinion of my own, but merely to be the interpreter of what lives in the spiritual world. The American version of freedom has been characterized here by an outstanding representative of the American people. Whereas, if we take into account all that heroic spirits in Europe have achieved in order to describe this divine freedom as a high, majestic goddess, this amounts to saying that all our enthusiasm, thoughts and feelings go out toward the ideal of freedom that lived within these Europeans. But you need to understand, my dear friends, that freedom must become something quite different again for those who share in a spiritual view of the world. You would be seriously mistaken if you did not realize that everything must be fashioned anew. We are faced with the challenge that freedom must become altogether different from the high ideal that the best human minds have hitherto cherished. For we know that as human beings we shall shortly be granted access to a divine spring, that we will be enabled to drink water of the Spirit, and that this water will live in our souls, and that we shall have to ensoul freedom, just as we incorporate our soul in our body. Thus, on the one hand, freedom is a practical tool for outward life, and on the other a lofty spiritual ideal. But freedom needs to be a quality that is enshrined within the soul and is higher than the soul, and moreover, to the same degree as the soul is higher than the body. We shall learn to end soul freedom, which will be no small thing to learn. And then we will be able to go forward in accordance with the wishes of the eternal spiritual powers for human evolution through their having enabled theosophy to flow into your souls. It has been my wish, my dear friends, to share with you some simple words directed not to your intellect but to your hearts. Since you have found it possible to develop yourselves to theosophy also outwardly within your country. So let us take the opportunity to make ourselves aware at this moment of the lofty task that has been given to us through a spiritual conception of the world. My dear friends, this consciousness will if we are able to dwell within it, enable something to radiate forth from the quiet work in theosophical branches, which will have a healing influence for the whole country. 
For we will only begin to understand spiritual life once we know that it is not only what we can do outwardly for the spreading of theosophy that actually contributes toward this aim, but that when we work together as well as we can to achieve an understanding of theosophy, the effects of our spiritual endeavors stream forth imperceptibly. And just as we well know that a town where there is a theosophical lodge is, even if only a few people have been engaged in theosophical activity there, after thirty years quite a different place from one where there is no theosophical lodge, your country will become altogether different if you have an inner understanding of what theosophy can give you. I am not speaking to you as a Western European or as someone belonging to this or that nation. I know that that is not the case. But perhaps it is just for this reason that I am able to say to you that salvation will come to Russia, but this salvation is not something to be sought on a false path. Nor am I saying this because I love theosophy. I am saying this because the whole of human evolution can assure us that this is true. There is a path of salvation for Russia, and it lies through theosophy. For other regions of the earth, theosophy will be highly beneficial and a means of real progress. For Russia, theosophy will be the only salvation, something that is essential in order that this folk soul is not called upon to take on tasks in the world other than the one that is destined for it. With these words, I should like to inaugurate your newly founded branches, for I know that the holy significance of these words will be fully embraced within your hearts. It will then be possible for that connection to be established in your souls which is necessary for the salvation of your country. The connection of the mystery of Golgotha with the human understanding of this mystery. Then the spirit who must become the regenerator of your country will reign in your hearts and your gatherings will radiate forth what your earthly region needs. With such thoughts as these, and out of a sense of reverence for the guiding powers of human evolution, I should like to call down every blessing for your work, the blessing of those powers which make it possible for the mystery of Golgotha to flow into your hearts, so that this blessing continues to radiate from your souls and from your work into your country. And I know that this blessing is always present whenever we are worthy of it. So as we stand at the point of departure for our work, may the image of these thoughts hover over us as a new spiritual impulse, which must stream into human evolution, just as the spiritual leaders of this impulse hover over the work that we seek to carry out in all sincerity. Then from this image will arise the awareness that we are doing what must be done for a limited region and hence also for the whole realm of human evolution. And so from this we know what we have to do. May, in this sense, the blessing of the wise leaders of the world and of humanity guide your work. May it arise powerfully within your souls as a source of light. For then this light will be able to radiate forth and you will be able to accomplish much that is essential for healing for progress, and for the true evolution of mankind. The end of Lecture 12